My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. John Mitchell founded Modern Mechanical in 2010 and has since grown the company to over $10 million in revenue. Sean is a United States Army combat veteran and leads his team like he did his troops, with commitment, dedication, and a passion for taking care of his team. Sean's business model serves as the blueprint for a sustainable workforce development program where the next generation of tradesmen will be able to learn the trade and be employed while doing so. He's actively involved in his community, Rotary Chamber of Commerce. He's the alumni of Virginia Tech and resides in Loudoun County with his wife and two daughters. Good afternoon. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to Mark Madison on Books and People. Today's guest is my old friend, Sean Mitchell. Sean's a very successful contractor in Virginia. Sean, how are you? I'm fantastic, Mark. Thanks for having me today. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice again, my man. It's been a while since we talked. So I'm just going to lob some easy questions to you that I know you'll be able to answer with aplomb. Uh, how did you get started in HVAC? Well, you know, my uh, my entire family was in the trades when I was growing up. So I grew up in the southwest part of Virginia. And um, my uncle had a trades company. My father was originally a coal miner, which is what most people do in uh, southwest Virginia. Um, but he uh, became a tradesman himself. And he opened up a, a small business that was doing HVAC electrical and plumbing. And so I started working for him when I was 14. I got my um, universal certification when I was 16. And then um, I got into uh, Virginia Tech and I said, I'm never doing HVAC again. I'm going to go get a, a real job. And so- um, Because that's pay, what Hokies do. That's right. And so uh, to pay for college, I joined the military and um, I was doing uh, the National Guard and going to college. And I was studying computer science and I was like, you know, uh, really, you know, this sucks. I, I didn't like it at all. Um, I, I enjoy being outside. I, I like that part of uh, the trade side. And, um, and so, and I also kept getting deployed. So 2003 or 2001, I got deployed to Bosnia. And then 2004 to 2005, I got deployed to Iraq. So I was in Iraq for, for a full year. And, and when I would come back, I would just get a job and it's like, Hey, you could, you know, you can work at the grocery store, or deliver pizza and make 10 bucks an hour, or you can put an HVAC and make 20 bucks an hour. And so uh, I just kind of kept going back to it. And then once I, once I came back from Iraq, I was like, you know, this is, I'm really good at this uh, job. And I don't know, I was, a, I was a service technician at the time. And I'm like, I'm really good at this. I really enjoy it. People seem to like me. So let me, let me try it out as a career for a few years and see what I think. And um, the company I was working for, I was able to kind of get promoted from service tech to service manager to assistant vice president, then to, then to VP of, um, of operations. Um, and I'm like, all right, I can make a career out of this. I obviously have some natural ability and, you know, um, can make the right decisions to, to take care of the customers and also those you know, other players on the team. It was kind of like, I thought it was out, you pulled me back in. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you, 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 you tried something else and you thought, man, you, you defaulted back to where you belong. 
So you have a passion for customer service. Uh, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, what do you love about the industry? You know, there's, there's so much I love about the industry. I mean, you know, outside of the fact that we get to work with the general public, um, you know, day in and day out, and we get to work with our employees who are, you know, hopefully everybody's got a bunch of rock stars on their team like I do. Um, you know, the, the, the customer facing side is fantastic. I'm always, I always love a, you know, an oops or uh oh, like, hey, we, we messed up. We did something wrong. Okay, give, give me that customer and let me do some service recovery and see if I can, you know, turn that frown upside down right. and make them, feel, make them feel really good about choosing us for their project. And so we, we really try to, you know, do that. Um, you know, the other thing about the industry that I really enjoy is, and the, the technology is just, I mean, every week there's a new technology that right. comes out and, and some of it makes our jobs easier. Uh, some of it is just better diagnostic, better diagnostic equipment. You know, I go out and I'm, you know, meeting with my service technicians or even the installers and, you know, they want to show off a new tool that they have and, you know, they, they, they got a set of gauges, but there's no gauges on it. And, and I'm like, what is that? And he goes, oh, these are my gauges. And I'm like, well, how do you read them? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, here on my, here on my, you know, phone. Here on my smartphone. And um, it is so funny because, you know, these guys now, I mean, they, they rarely make phone calls from their, from their phones. It's all right. about the text and the conversations and hangouts and emails and all the apps. And so I love it though. I love seeing the technology um, and all the new things. And, you know, unfortunately with COVID, we kind of missed, missed a year. I've been blessed to do the, uh, the ACHR awards and judge uh, some of the new innovative products. And that's been a lot of fun too. That's a good thing. And to see the new things that are coming out in our industry is pretty fascinating. You stay abreast of the things that are new. I mean, you know, with the company name of Modern Mechanical, I feel like I'm uh, contractually obligated to do so. <laughs> it's built into the name. You That's better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you balance work life? I know you have uh, children and a wife, and I know you married up because I met her. Yeah, I absolutely so, did marry up. But I was going to yeah. say, you know, before you even before you even said that, I was going to say it all starts with a good wife, and then you right. got to build you build from there. Right. Um. Uh, but no, honestly, you know my my wife does a fantastic job in the business and, and at home. And we, we partner and, you know, kind of pair off because I got I have two daughters who are 11 and nine and they're both very, very active in sports and, you know, extracurricular activities. And so we, I try to make sure I show up for them. I found that it's, it, it, you know, the, the bigger my company becomes, the easier it is to do that because, you get, you know, new layers of management in there that uh, you don't always have to be quite so involved in the weeds. Um, right. But family is really important, you know, and, and we kind of take that to our our company. One, one thing that we do that's different than most folks is, you know, we don't do on-call technicians. We don't run emergency service. So, you know, we work, we work two shifts a day. And we have, you know, Saturday shifts and Sunday shifts, but we don't run our guys out at one o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. And we really believe in that work-life balance for, hey, when you're off, you're off and go enjoy your family. And yeah, I think that's really helped our retention compared to a lot of our contractors. Our, 
our team, usually when they get on the team, they make it on the team, then they, then they stay on the team because they really enjoy that and, and a lot of other, other aspects. Well, if morale is high and turnover is low, you're doing something right. Yeah, I agree. And the converse is also true. Uh, you're doing something wrong. If right. Turnover's high and morale is low. Uh, who, who are your mentors coming up? Um, you know, I had, I had a couple, um, you know, really through school and through, um, high school and even going into college. Um, my uncle who was also a church pastor, um, was, you know, very influential, I would think in, in, and he was also a carpenter. So he's a carpenter, he's a church pastor. And was that um, a strategic decision on his part? Um, I don't know. He chose, he chose to be a carpenter. He was very good at it. He did a lot of uh, intricate woodwork and even houses and things like that. And I, I even worked with him, you know, over some summers of stretches. Um, but he was just a really, really intelligent guy, a really smart individual. And uh, I mean, he still is. And, 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 you know, one of the most caring people that you could ever meet. And I think, you know, that was a big deal for me, kind of growing up as a child and, and, you know, I, I worked since I was 14, so I always understood the value of money, and I always had money, and I also always understood, hey, um, if I needed more, I just needed to work more, and right. and I, I feel I got that from from my Uncle Bruce. Um, you know, and then to being in the military, I had some great mentors when I was in the military. One of my, uh, my all-time favorites was uh, my squad leader when I was in Bosnia. His name was Sergeant Alexander, and he was just one of those guys that, like, he was truly, um, you know, if, if he gave you, if he gave you a directive, you, you did what he said, but he was the guy that would protect you. He would put himself in between you and whoever else it was. Um, and he, you know, he would make our lives a little easier by us not having to, you know, put up with the crap that could come along with you know, being in the, being in the army and the military and, and some of that uh, bureaucracy that happened. So he was like a shield. He was a shield. And then that, that kind of taught me too, for my leadership style, I try to be a shield from uh, whatever's coming down to what's coming up to balance it. And I try to teach my managers to do that same thing. It's almost like, you know, by his able example, you knew what you were supposed to do. It's true. And we would run, you know, one of the things we did in Boston, we did a lot of freedom of movement missions where we would make sure the roads were open and that troops could get around easily in the, in the country. And part of that was building bridges. So we would, we would build these timber truss bridges and, you know, we could build a bridge and it was, you know, big bridges, but we could build a bridge in about a week. And so, you know, Sergeant Alexander, he would, he would choose different members of the squad to, be the bridge NCO, which is the person that's in charge as, as the supervisor. And, you know, sometimes it's uh sometimes it was a E5 or E6, or sometimes, you know, it was a, a 23 year old E4. Hey, this is your bridge site. You're in charge. Let's, you know, put your plan together, build it. You know, and I always, he was a big believer. If you want to learn it, teach it. And right. so, you know, that's kind of, I think where I, where I picked that up from as well kind of a metaphor too isn't it building bridges i mean you're still building bridges it's true and, it, and that metaphor extends to you know um if you're going to burn them down make sure you're you're um, very sure 
of that fact before you do so, right? right. So, so, so build. Do I really build, want to end this relationship? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know. Oh, that's build. interesting. <laughs> he sounds like too. He empowered guys and he delegated, and that he was a good coach, a good teacher. He was for sure. Next thing you're going to tell me, he was a carpenter and a pastor too. No, he wasn't those things. Okay, good. But just um, checking. <laughs> wasn't from Galilee either, right? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, good enough. Just just clarifying. So you've had some great mentors. Um, you know, that's a that's the thing. It's books and people, people and books, which is the next question. Well, the last time I was out there, you you gave me a book on customer service, which was excellent. And I, so I know you're a voracious reader. Uh, what books had an big big impact on you? I don't think we have enough time for the podcast or the. <laughs> The book. Well, um, how, how, how about like the last book, right? Okay, um, cool. Um, and I don't know, you know, so the one that I gave to you, it's, uh, um, was really actually really impactful. I remember it a lot, but it was how to never lose a customer again. And I, you know, you, you talk about books on customer service. I mean, that's a, that's a home run book on customer service. I, uh, I think the, the last probably four or five books I've been reading is, uh, how to coach girls softball. So it might not be quite applicable to our conversation here, um, but I, I did want to make sure I was at least competent in taking that role um, for, my, for my daughter. Hey, one of the biggest lessons I ever learned about leadership came from coaching basketball. I was, I was a brand new coach. It was 1989. I was coaching my nephew. I'd never coached before. And my sister pulled me aside at halftime because I was coaching her son. And she said, look, I don't know anything about basketball basketball but I know everything about my son and she said if you yell at him in public in front of everybody he'll just withdraw right I know you're praising him but you're praising him when he sits down on the bench with you and no one else hears it except for you she goes I wonder what would happen if you flip-flop that I wonder if you praised him out loud in front of everybody and then if there was whatever you needed to correct you pulled him aside on the bench and kind of whispered in his ear about what you wanted him to change and I went, whoa. And that became the, you know, praise in public, admonish in private model. Right. I, I never would have learned that had I not been coaching boys basketball. So I guess I would argue with you that you're not learning anything coaching <laughs> girls softball. Yeah. Because, A, you're getting a PhD in how to interact with girls who are competitive. So that's got to come in handy down the road. Right. Oh, it's very yeah, very true, very true. Um, you know, and, and, and some of some of the, the business is just you know, dealing with people, and uh, and those people might be you know softball players, or they might be your employees, or it might be customers um, for sure. I'll tell you another good one that I just recently read was uh, "Toughness" by Jay um, Billis. Billis, Jay Billis, Jay Billis. Yeah, that's a great yeah. book. Yeah, I, I really like it. And I had my 11-year-old kind of, you know, weed through it as well. And she took a couple good points away from it. Um, he's the, yeah, it's a fantastic He's probably book. the best college sports announcer in basketball. He's certainly the smartest. I love that guy. That's a great book, too. He was uh, yeah, good for you, a softball coach reading a basketball book. Who knew? Well, I was reading that during basketball season before I switched over. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why. But now, you know, it, I, I love his chapter on, um, you know, mental toughness. And it's just like, hey, 
it, it's 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 not a natural ability it's a learned skill and you have yes. to practice it you have to practice it just like you practice any other skill in your life yep yeah there's another book that essentially says well there's two that say the same thing carol dweck's book mindset and there's a whole chapter on parenting and there's another one on leadership and employees but that book and another one called the talent code by daniel coyle and they all say the same thing we need to praise resilience we need to praise effort we need to praise failing forward mm -hmm. you know bouncing back um, effort diligence consistency and not, oh, you're really smart, or gosh, you're beautiful, or gee whiz, you're this. It's, it's the activity, it's the action we need to praise. And that's what builds tough kids who, you know, bounce back. And, and uh, yeah, I love Billis's book. I thought it was tremendous. It's interesting, you, uh, you know, when I was thinking about when I was coaching, one of the challenges I had coaching was I had to deal with the parents and I, I learned about the third or fourth season that you have to create the expectations about how their behavior is because you have a lot of helicopter parents in children's sports. Have you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you gotta, you gotta manage them and, and we try to set expectations out the gate right. um, and then, you know, make the parents have the parents part of the, you know, after game recap, Yes. So that they're there and then you can kind of address anything you need to address. But um, yeah, there, I mean, you have, you, you got parents that they, they want to give you the play by play on every single game um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and tell you all the mistakes that everybody on, on the team made. Um, but then you, but, you know, but the other side of that coin mark is, I mean, I, I met some really great people and I've had some really great parents that are, right. um, you know, I'm, we're still, you know, still friends with and, and, um, you know, outside of COVID are still very social with and just, you know, great people. So more good than bad. Yeah. More good than bad for sure. Yeah. It's like 80, 20, you know, I, I agree with that. Uh, coaching was, you know, it's interesting. The guys and gals who coach are almost always the busiest person, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're not, you're just sitting around retired and you go, Oh, I think I'll coach girls softball. You're running a business and you're working 50, 60 hours a week. But here you are coaching your daughter. You know, I, I find for me, um, you know, it's not a task. It's not a job. Like it's, it's really, really enjoyable. Right. And it gives me that break from, you know, all the, the, uh, the daily activity that running a business has. And, you know, all of those, all those things that you, you know, ups and downs from running your business. It, it gives me a break to that, that, Hey, I can look forward to those events. I look forward to those games. I can look forward to those practices. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and it challenges, I think it's a, it challenges me. I mean, I'm not saying I know everything there is to know about HVAC, but I feel you know, pretty confident in my ability to run a business. Right. I, I'm not so confident in my ability to coach a girl's <laughs> softball team. So I want to you know, improve that skill. Yes. <clears throat> Well, and you know, you're going to get longer legs for bigger strides, my friend. And I, I will promise you that there'll be uh, two or three other lessons that you'll learn over the next couple of years from coaching softball that have application to your business and your life. I, I miss it. I coached 60 games a year for 15 years. We took three teams to nationals and I, honest to goodness, it's one of the things I really miss. I can't wait for my granddaughters to be old enough you know, to start playing organized sports so I can at least sit on the bench and say, hey, Penelope has two fouls, you know. Right. <laughs> if they let me, they might not. Both my son and daughter-in-law coached 
you know, college basketball. So they uh -huh. might not let me on the bench. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, it'd probably go like this, John. You can sit there, Dad, and keep stats, but you can't say anything. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, you get your uh, your restrictive orders for the <laughs> for the game for sure. They won't be telling me to build any bridges. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, so you have a passion for customer service. How does that translate in your business? What are the things that you share and teach your employees about service? So we really believe in the uh, the Ritz Carlton model, which is uh, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, right? And you know, I I push uh, in everything we do. Uh, to the team is, you know, hey, we're professionals. We're not, we're not plumbers. We're not, you know, techs. We're professionals, and this is our this is our chosen profession. This is what we get paid to do for a living, and, and in that, we should have great respect and also great appreciation for that. And you know, once once a, a an employee buys into that, then you know, it's a, it's a night and day change from you know their appearance to how they interact with the office, how they interact with dispatch, how they interact with each other. Um, and we've really been able to elevate our team by holding on to that you know, core principle of professionalism. Right. And then, and then that professionalism transfers, you know, to the, to the customer um, and, you know, the customer service that we provide our ability to do so. We've had some, you know, we went to service site in a few years ago, just uh, which is a software platform, just because we felt that that software offered the, very best level of customer service possible um, from, you know, they get the technician's bios and they get the little GPS tracker when they're on their way and the follow-up and the texting. And I mean, all, all of those things are just, you know, really, really good. So, so we definitely make financial decisions around ensuring we have the highest level of customer satisfaction. And we, you know, we, we ask for reviews. We, we maintain our online reputation with uh, you know peer resilience and you know jump on anything that's not five stars to make sure we can you know get in there and, and understand you know what's going on with that call or with that customer and then, and then resolve it for them i've had the privilege of staying at three different ritz carlton hotels and i have to tell you there's a what it ends up doing is it ruins your experience at every other hotel their quality service bar is so high. And even when the customer's doing stupid or outrageous things, they they just smile and say, over here, or here you go. Right. Or can I get you a cookie? Yes. No, absolutely. So They're uh, undaunted. I, I have to tell you this story. So I, I was doing a, some team building for the folks at York. Uh, gosh, this was 2008 or nine. And it was at Amelia Island, the Ritz-Carlton. And I took a red eye and I was tired and get much sleep. And I got there and I, I, I had to make sure the room was set up because I only had a few hours before I was going to present. So I, I told them, you know, and they took me to the room and it was set up all wrong. And I said, I'm sorry, I had asked for this room to be set up in a, in a horseshoe, you know, U-shape. And she snaps her fingers and ninjas fall out of the ceiling and they rearrange the room and then they disappeared back up into the ceiling. I said, wow, that's amazing. The folks from York are going to just love this customer service store. She said, York, this room's for Toyota. I said, well, do they need a speaker? Because the room's perfect for me. <laughs> and she snapped her fingers and the ninjas came out of the ceiling again and they changed it back. She said, you're in salon B. And she walked me down and she never made me feel guilty. Right. right? I screwed up 
and she was like calm, cool, and collected. And I remember thinking, I love these guys. And that's what your customers are saying because you're following the Ritz-Carlton model. I love these guys. Yeah, we like, you know, we we joke that um, it's hard to love your HVAC company, but we, we do have a lot of customers that absolutely love us and they have no uh, reservations about telling everyone in the social media atmosphere that they love us. And so we, we appreciate those folks. So my next question is a relevant one, given the, the time and circumstances that we've all been through the last year. What have been your COVID blessings? What's been great about COVID for you and your business? Um, I mean, definitely for the industry as a whole, a real, uh, you know, a genuine appreciation for good quality, clean indoor air. Right. And so, you know, we've, we've sold IQ products for you know, 25 years and, and it, it generally is, is a struggle. Um, in the past year, you know, it, it, it hasn't been because you, right. you know, we have, we have all these, again, technology, we have this amazing technology that's at an affordable price point that we can put in your house and make your air cleaner inside your house than it is outside. We can, you know, remove pollen, mold, dust, mildew, all, all those things. Um, and then also keep your family safe from, you know, the um, COVID-19 virus. And so there's, there's, I think that's been a big boost. And we've seen that with our service department and, and our, our guys, you know, really, um, really buying into it and, um, it's just really making a huge you know, effect. I mean, we, we put ionizers in our um, office and our, you know, our, our building in our company just, you know, to show, Hey, like we really believe in this and we're going to install it here in our building. Um, so that's you been practice that's, what you preach. Yeah. That's been a huge positive. And, you know, we, and there's been a lot of focusing, you know, I think sometimes as a business owner, you, you stretch yourself too thin because, you know, you you have so many different things going on. Um, and I remember that story uh, about Steve Jobs and they would talk about like, you know, every day he would have hundreds of suggestions on, you know, what else Apple could do. And he would, and he would give hundreds of no's. Um, and they were all, you know, uh, you know, probably amazing suggestions that were worth millions of dollars. And he said no to them because he wanted to have that singular focus. And, uh, you know, our, our commercial, our commercial build out um, department, pretty much went away because we specialized in building out gyms and restaurants. Right. And so, so COVID happened. So that went away. So it's like, all right, you know, I got to, I got to retrain, redeploy, reallocate these resources that we have for this commercial side. And so we've really been able to focus in on our residential side of our business, grow it. Um, you know, we had, we had about a 10% growth last year and, we're hoping to have about a 25% growth this year in residential. And so far we're on track for that. So really, really kind of get a singular focus on um, the things that we do really, really well. I think it's been a blessing and it's been a blessing to have, you know, a little more time with family to slow down a little bit and, um, you know, kind of clear the head um, when you get home from work. You know, we never really stopped because we were essential and we kept working through. Right. But, you know, the, you know, my kids are still virtual. So, you know, every morning I uh, get them on their computers and give them breakfast. And, you know, every afternoon they're home when I get home um, and, you know, they're not riding a school bus or doing those things. You know, they're, they're just 
waiting for waiting for the the sport of the nights or you know whatever family activity we might have what i'm hearing loud and clear from people all over the country because i'm still i'm traveling a lot again finally and what people are saying is you know family time is always the number one but it's also they say things like i i really like to cook turns out i'm pretty good at it and you know we've saved a lot of money this last year you know so the, so there's a tendency, especially if you read the paper, to focus on all the things that are wrong. But that's why I've been asking this COVID yeah. blessings question a lot lately. Oh, I've definitely added a, a handful of meals to my uh, cooking repertoire that uh, I've been able to fix. And I've, I've come a long way on lamb. So if you like lamb, next time you're in town, I'll, I'll fix you my, my lamb special that I've uh, perfected over the, uh, the COVID year. Who doesn't like lamb? Come on. All right. <laughs> So what advice would you offer someone who's said, you know, I think I want to start my own HVAC business because you've got some experience under your belt. What would you tell them? So I think that, um, you know, my initial reaction is to be like, you know, don't run, run fast and hard and, and, and don't do it. But um, that's not really how I feel. That's just my initial, my initial reaction. Um, because, you know, our industry really does provide uh, an amazing um, career for folks and, and, and in, incredible opportunities. And so, you know, when we've, you know, because of the industry, my wife and I, I mean, we've, we've been able to travel and see a lot of the world. We've, we've had a lot of freedom to, you know, raise our kids and, and make those family decisions. So I think that's really good. I think, you know, the key is you got you to gotta make a plan. And you got to have a good business plan on you know, what services are you going to offer? Who's your target customer going to be? How are you going to market to them? How are you going to grow your business? And then really have, um, you know, have an ideal around that because, you know, I think in business, um, so like if you play video games and, and the goal of a video game is, hey, I want to get to the next level before I run out of the, the lives in the video game. I think a I think in business, the goal is to get to the next level before you run out of money. Right. So, so, so cash flow is king, but when you're building a business and you hit certain criteria, so you, you have a plan and you know what you want to do, but you hit a point where, all right, Hey, as an owner operator, I need to be out of the field and I need to be managing my people that are in the field. And then, Hey, I need to have another level of managers and Hey, I'm expanding my team again, hey, I'm going to add a new service or a new department or a new trade, and I got to manage that. And then you're constantly building your team. And so, you know, having that plan, having goals, obviously your goal setting is going to be huge. Um, and, you know, and adapting those goals and changing those goals, but you got to have goals. You got to know what you're working toward. Right. And, and I found for me, I mean, you know, we went from, so my first year in business, which was, uh, you know, beginning in 2010, we did about a million dollars that first year. Then we did, we did 1.8 and then we did, you know, off the top of my head here, we did like 2.8 and then 3.6. And then, you know, we, we were hitting that 5 million mark and, and your, your business at 5 million looks a lot different than your business at 2 million does. Right. And everything that worked at 2 million, almost none of it works at 5 million. Right. And so, 
you know, every, every time you, you double the size of your business, you have to kind of reevaluate your, your policies and practice practices and standard well, operating Now you need an org chart and job descriptions and lines of reporting, right? You didn't need that exactly. when you had five people. Exactly. And, and, you know, and the hats change and then, and then it, then it becomes important. All right. To make sure, all right. I, you know, am I happy with the team that I have? Where are my weaknesses in that team? Is everybody in the right seat on the bus in that team? Right. And, and you know, oftentimes you'll, you'll think, Oh, I'm so happy. This is the best team I've ever had. And then six months later, it's like, all right, I've already moved two people to, to two different seats and I've hired a new, you know, whatever dispatcher. And now this is the best team that I've ever had. <laughs> and it, and it, you know, it, it, so, you know, make, making sure, making sure people are on the right, you know, in the right seat. And then you got to think about, you know, you I, I recruit and retain, retain, right. So the recruit and retain the recruit part might not be as, as big a deal when you're, you know, five to 10 employees. Um, but the, re, the retain is because if you have a, a technician that calls out, Hey, that's a, that's a big deal when you have only four of them. Right. Versus when you have one that calls out when you have 16, Hey, you can handle that schedule and you can move it around. Um, well, what I'm hearing you say is what got you here won't take you there. You have to constantly evolve and change. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and you know, plan as best you can for what you want to achieve. Right. Well, you, you're certainly good at building bridges, my friends, to call back to that same metaphor, because you're so modern. Such a <laughs> modern mechanical company. So last question, how would you like to be remembered? I'm not that you're going away anytime soon. I mean, you got a young family and, but you've accomplished a lot in a fairly short period of time, but you know, fast forward 40 years, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I think that for me, I, that's a tough question. I think that's a really, a really tough question to pose. Well, I but, saved the hardest one for last. Yeah. But you know, I, I think, if, I think a few things, right. So I, I want um, I want folks to kind of take away if you if you look at my life and my decision as a whole, uh, I always believe that I'm the type of person that um, you know will just do it. So if I if I, I I knew I wanted to be in the military coming out of high school and I did it. When I was in college, I knew I wanted to be in a fraternity and I made sure that happened. I knew I wanted to have my own small business. You know I, I did that and I've opened a handful of other businesses in the past and. Um, you know, so I think I want to be remembered as someone that sets goals and, and achieves them. Um, and the other side, you know, kind of going back to that uh, mentor side, you know, I, I want folks to remember me as a, as a good owner and a good leader uh, in, in whatever it might be, be it, you know, in my, my roles with nonprofits or chamber of commerce. Um, but hey, uh, as a good leader that, um, you know, took care of his troops that was the one that um, was in between making sure that, you know, everything was good. And so, and, and I think so far in my life, I've been able to, I've been able to accomplish that. Um, so hopefully I can continue that for um, the rest of the amount of time that I have left here on earth. Well, I will say this, my friend, having spent some serious time with you, I think you're a wonderful father and husband and you genuinely care about your employees. You know, you, you invest in them on a regular basis and you're starting to see the return on that investment and you, you walk your talk, you know, Sergeant Alexander did a nice job teaching you how to be a, 
a good shield. So I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy and I know you probably have a softball practice you have to get to. But, I, uh, I do, but thank, thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate uh, it. Uh, yeah. You're a joy, my friend, and the best is yet to come. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454, or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association, or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.